0: Welcome back to The Cycle 365. This is miniseries episode three, and we're gonna talk about privilege, but for most of this episode, it's gonna be my co-host, Addison Syke, who will be interviewing somebody special. Take it away, Addison.
1: Hey guys, so today we got a special interview with one of the Alvernia University Golden Wolves female ice hockey players. Uh, She's gonna be talking about privilege in sports and some of her experiences in sports and whatnot. So why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, tell us about your favorite sports memory as a kid, favorite uh, sports memory that you took part in as a fan, um, as well as uh, as an athlete, and then you know potentially some sports you played as a kid and what uh, sports you play now.
2: Um, as a kid, I kind of bounced around with a lot of sports. I played t-ball. I liked playing the dirt, so it wasn't really my sport. I played basketball. I did gymnastics roller hockey and cheerleading for like a year in kindergarten so i don't really like to count it but i did that the sports i play now i mainly only play ice hockey for my senior year i was gonna attempt to do track that one didn't work out because of coronavirus and i probably for the best because i'm not very good at track and my favorite sports memory as a fan I'm a St. Louis fan, so obviously last year when the St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup, that was the highlight of my entire fan career. I actually cried and then bought as much of the Stanley Cup merch as I could right at midnight. So that was the best. I dropped like $100, it was beautiful. And then probably as an athlete, um, actually it would probably be last season previous season for my hockey team we were in playoffs and we were bottom of the league basically all season we were kind of the underdogs we are the only American team in the league and we beat one of the teams that we weren't expecting to beat and it was such a crazy game absolutely loved it I think we won 1-0 it was, it was amazing that was probably one of my favorite moments
1: yeah, I remember, because Jasmine and I uh, played at the same academy a year, uh, two years ago, and yeah, it was amazing to watch, I was a part of it, sadly it's not my favorite sports moment I witnessed, but it was definitely nice seeing you guys come together and do something great and make a big push into the playoffs, so uh, today we're going to be talking about religion sports, it's part of our mini-series at The Cycle about youth sports, and the uh, major we're trying to cover is privilege so uh, so this is just an introductory question but uh, do you think money can buy an athlete's success in sports assuming they work hard
2: to an extent I would say yes because money buys you opportunities that you maybe couldn't afford say you didn't have it starting just like for my personal experience ice hockey I have the privilege of being able to get ice time about once a week with a private coach, and I, that really helped put me above a lot of people because I was able to put in a lot of effort on the off-ice. I wouldn't say I have like stacks on stacks, but I obviously know that some people that I'm friends with who can afford a lot more of that, they're able to work a lot harder and provide more opportunities, which is giving them a a step above people who wouldn't be able to do that. Because I have some friends in Idaho where they can't get ice all year year round, and that kind of, it hurts them because getting on the ice is the main reason hockey players are able to get better. Because you can do a bunch of off-ice training, but until you can put it together on the ice, it's not, you're not going to be able to pull it together. And so yes, money can buy success in that area of can you afford to get better things to get better? And having more money can get you on a better team and it can get you better opportunities, better tournaments, more exposure, and kind of just builds on top of each other.
1: Would you say that applies to more sports than others or is that just an all around sports thing?
2: I think that's kind of an all around sports thing. I'm not as familiar with other sports in that aspect on what they do. But I think obviously if you can afford to play on a better team, because better teams usually cost more money. I think yes, because lots of like baseball teams, softball teams, soccer teams, you have more money, you get to travel more, you get better facilities. I think if you can afford to pay more, you can, and if you want to get better, it's going to pay off in the long run.
1: Yeah, I agree. So let's talk about buying your way onto a team. Are there situations where the privilege of having money ultimately beats skill? Or do you think that's something that happens often? You know, what's your take?
2: I think it depends on the sport. I know from personal experience, I had a teammate who very much paid her way onto the team and she wasn't very good. I think there comes a point where it doesn't matter how much money you have. If you don't have the want, the drive, and the skill to get better, eventually you're just gonna like plateau and you're not gonna get any better. It doesn't matter if you have a million or $10, you're just gonna hit a point where unless you can get better, you're kind of done and it doesn't matter how much money. Because I had a girl, she paid lessons for private coaches. Her parents did so much to try to get their kid to be better, but she kind of just peaked and it wasn't a very good peak. So, I mean, I think to a point, yeah, money isn't going to buy you. Money can't buy you skills. It can buy you opportunities, but it can't give you it.
1: Do you think it's necessary for athletes to have access to great equipment or training opportunities to get better? Is it an unfair advantage for athletes who don't have those things or is it just one of those things where you gotta get better with what you have and it doesn't make a difference as long as you're willing to work for
2: it? Yeah I think to an extent like you don't have to have like a top tier facility to become the best athlete. Can it help? Probably but it's not it's not everything like I maybe would go to two camps this summer If even like the past two summers, I think I went to like one camp and it was mainly for college exposure versus skill. I think skill camps are great and they work for some people. And if they have the money to go to it, I say go to it. You make great people. But there's nothing wrong with lots of athletes I know shoot pucks in their backyard, do workouts at home or go to their local gym. You don't need a top tier facility. If you can get on the ice once a week, just go to public skates, which is probably like $10 or a stick and puck. All little things are stuff that you can do to get better and you don't have to go to a ten million dollar facility to get all of that. You can just do it in your community. So I know I don't think that you need to have all those things. Can they be benefits? Sure, but it's not doesn't make an athlete by what equipment and how good it is. And I've been wearing the same pair of skates for four years and I don't have the newest skates and Having the newest skates doesn't make me a better player. So I really do think to make a good athlete is they're able to work with what they have, and that's what makes them a good athlete.
1: Yeah, I've seen I've seen that in my experience. Not sure how much you've seen of it, but um, I, I've definitely seen some kids with the top end gear all the time. Thinking that makes some, and you know, blaming the equipment and all that. And then I've also seen some kids with not as nice gyms either like you can attest to this our academy gym was uh not super super nice and fancy like some of the other teams there but it was kind of grungy and as long as we were willing to work in it you know i don't think it made much of a difference it it got the purpose across uh to the academy so so in your experience you seeing more athletes seed who had financial advantages over others and that's not just a test to, uh, you know st louis but the, la- the last couple places you've played as well?
2: Um, for sure. So I played A for a year and I financially AAA is a very expensive league to play in just because you're traveling all the time and it's not as an academy where you like pay a big fee and they pay for your hotel and all that. You have to pay for travel fees, tournaments and all of that. And it was hard because I obviously couldn't financially mi- maintain that. And I loved playing AAA because of all the places we went. It was high exposure tournaments. College scouts were always there. And that did give a lot of the girls the advantage who got to continue playing AAA longer than I did. And from some of the... When I went to Idaho, there was not a very... We didn't go to too many high exposure tournaments because financially the team A couldn't do it. And the girls also had never been in tournaments where they even could do that. So it's a really big thing. I was like... For, I guess, an example would be Shattuck School. School costs about roughly 60 grand. That's kind of a ballpark guess. And a lot of those girls go to top tier D1 teams because they have the money to go to such a great school. And this applies to many other sports of, if you can afford to go to a good team, a good academy, you're gonna get to go to good schools because of the recognition, the money the school has, so they know that you also have money. And unfortunately, it's a sad world we live in, but money in sports really can get you a long way if you're also a good athlete. Even if you're not, sometimes if you have enough, you can get there. So I do think that athletes that have more money do have a bigger advantage. Doesn't mean they're always going to win. Sometimes a smaller athlete can, but most cases, financially, if you have more money, you're more than likely going to have a bigger step up.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. How would you say your financial situation and your situation has helped you in sports or even hurt you
2: for sure so i obviously my family is not poor but we're also not rich we my parents are very smart with their money and they saved so that i can do the sport that i play and i'm forever grateful for that and i i know what i have because i i played double a for a good five years and that's just because it was what was financially reasonable for my parents and they luckily were like, hey, like if you want to go AAA, you can. So I was able to get a year at AAA and I got quite a bit of exposure. And then when I was kind of done with AAA, they were able to send me to a boarding academy to play in the Sissel, which was really great. And I actually am even able to commit to my college team because of that opportunity that I had. And it really did help me. It hurt me in the fact that it was financially a little bit to send me there. And like, I feel bad for my parents, but they, said they told me not to worry about it and that's what they wanted to do for me. So I really appreciate that. And I, because I had that advantage to be able to get the off-ice stuff, I have a private coach, he was able to help me. I give credit to him for the player I am today. And the fact that I was able to play for these different teams in all these different areas, I got to see the world, I got to meet so many great coaches. Like I, I truly have had a great Athletic career with the opportunities my parents were able to provide for me.
1: Yeah, and I think a little bit down the road here with the interview, we'll be able to actually talk more about that situation in general. Um, but just for clarification, would you mind explaining what the Sizzle is?
2: Of course. So the Sizzle is a com- is a Canadian high school hockey league. And there's only one American team in it, and it's Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which is the team that I previously played for, along with Addison. And I think it consists of, like, the women's team I played in the Varsity League, so there were only four. I think this year they had five girls teams. And then there's, like, Prep. And then along with the boys, there's, like, Bantam, Varsity. No, there isn't Bantam. There's Prep and Varsity. I think this year they're actually combining all of them, but there's a men's league and a women's league, and it's all Canadian hockey, and it's all over Canada, so we played more in like the West Coast area of it, but it's just a Canadian hockey league.
1: This is basically just a C-S-S-H-L, which stands for Canadian Sports School Hockey League. Yeah, f- feel free, give it a look, um, especially for those that wanting to join a highly competitive league in your experience how big of a role does favoritism play in sports and why
2: uh favoritism it's a very big role in sports and i've had personal experience and i've also seen it so back when i played youth basketball um i was i've It's a double-aged sword favoritism. I was one of the favorites on the basketball team, so I got a ton of playing time because I was the favorite and I worked the hardest. But I also saw it, and I felt so bad for a lot of the girls, and I was probably like 10, that a lot of girls didn't get playing time because I was always out there. And I had asthma at the time, so I used to fake having an asthma attack so that I'd get taken off so that other girls could play on it because I felt bad getting that much playing time. And I've also seen it when I went and played... In other leagues, when I played hockey, a lot a lot of this comes down to, like, the coach's kid. And that's a really big stereotype, and I feel really bad for a lot of coach's kids, because it's usually not their fault. But a lot of coach's kids gets played over other kids, and this happened in my, um, my younger brother. He plays soccer, and that happened a lot in his division, is certain kids, if, say, maybe their parents donated a bit more money to the team, or their parents were always helping out their kid would usually get more playing time because of outside forces kind of pushing coaches to maybe play their kid a little bit extra because their parents doing this and they want the parents to be happy. And it happens a lot in a lot of younger teams when there's a lot of heavy parent involvement. I've seen it on my boyfriend's younger sister's softball game. There's a lot of parent involvement and that kind of sometimes leads to a certain player getting more playing time than another one which is sad because it shouldn't be happening because they're all little kids and they don't really know what's going on because it's more of a parent thing versus like a kid thing.
1: So would you say you have been on the short end of the stick when it comes to favoritism or the long end?
2: Um, I mean, both. I've observed it in hockey and I've been on both the good and the bad side. When I played, actually just this previous season, I was one of the favorites on the team because of my coach. And I got more playing time. Not that I didn't deserve that playing time, but I got it because I was more of a... The coach really liked my ethic, my work ethic, and he really liked me. And some other girls, like, they struggled with understanding why they weren't getting more playing time. And my previous season, I didn't get as much playing time because I wasn't the coach's favorite. And she preferred other girls and played them over me. And I've seen it. And if I was, I'd watched other girls not get playing time because maybe they didn't work for it or maybe the coach just didn't care for them as much and it's hard to really say because i don't know a coaching mentality but i've seen it from i was the favorite to i wasn't the favorite depending on which team i was playing or what season it was
1: gotcha um so you kind of touched on this who do you think has the majority of influence when favoritism is involved
2: I think it truly depends on the circumstances and the age level. To younger kids, I would say parents have a really big effect on favoritism, just because parents are so involved because their kids are still very young. And then when you get to say my age and like teenage years, it becomes more of the coaching staff and like how the players act. And I also think it could come to a financial standpoint also because how much money is a parent giving to the team how much does a kid have like a scholarship or a discount so really how much are they putting into it so i think it can kind of come you can break it down into parent influence financial and just like coaching staff
1: have you had experience with people outside of the coaching staff controlling slash influencing what happens on the team
2: uh, yes, I would say I've had personal experience with that. So last year, I was actually the captain of my team, and I know my coaches would always come talk to me a lot because a lot of like captains or players on the team are the one who interact with the players the most. So we see what the coaches don't see, and I know coaches would come up to me and ask me how everything was going, and I would say that I had an influence on how certain things played out from what I saw in the locker room and what I saw on the ice. Cause I had a different perspective than the coaches did. And some things that I would say to them would kind of alter a decision maybe they would make, whether it comes to like a player's attitude off the ice and all of that kind of played a factor. And I think that yes, like players can really affect that depending on like how have like favorites have a relationship to the coach and things they say carry more weight than say another person came up to a coach or something like that
1: yes um completely agree now i know a big issue sports is captaincy uh because you know people are debating what's too young to start captaincy are they old enough are they responsible enough to take on the upper roles of being a captain and oftentimes being captain you're the best player on the team or you're the coach's favorite, or something like that, which said that that's the wrong way to, you know, choose a captain. What would you say would be kind of the right way to choose a captain, and when age-wise or level-wise should you be choosing captains?
2: Honestly, that's a really great question, because it's a really, it's kind of a hard age to determine, because it really depends on, like, the team and the character dynamic, and, like, I would say probably shouldn't start it until at least high school i think is truly a great time to start it because at that point you start to learn to better like respect your peers because you've been with them for a while and you understand them because i think little kids or younger kids i especially middle school are kind of like on like the tipping point of like understanding captains and not really understanding it so i think like waiting till high school is probably the best age because I truly never knew it, because I was never a captain until my senior year. It's a, it's a lot to put on a kid, because not only do you need to keep your coaches happy, you try to keep your team happy, and I unfortunately didn't really get assistance my senior year, just because we went through like three different coaching changes is a bit of a rough season. And it's a lot to put on a kid, because you want to make sure that everyone's happy, and I think they really need to wait till they've hit a maturity of probably high school, because that's when you're like starting to figure yourself out and everyone else out. And I think that's like a really great time to start it. Because too young, it's going to kind of mess with kids and kind of create like a power struggle of always oh, the captain and you're going to lose respect for him. So I think waiting till high school is probably the best time because it's a lot to put on a kid at such a young age.
1: Yeah, we've we've had talks here on the podcast about uh, sports being, uh, you know, the cutoff between youth sports and uh, competitive sports and when it becomes a business and whatnot and things as far as captaincies, uh, there's an argument to be set, uh, for, you know, not starting captaincies until sports become a bigger deal. Like kids are getting scholarship offers or have the opportunity to go and make that jump to professional sports. So some might say it's high school age some might say it's after high school and you have to wait until college uh how how would you speak to something like that
2: i mean you could argue that you shouldn't even do captains until like high level juniors hockey for boys or for women college because at that point college is a lot bigger deal because certain levels are offering you money to go there juniors i know certain juniors players are paid so i think maybe if you're trying to put it from a business standpoint shouldn't be a captain until you're getting paid to be there you could make that point i mean i think for younger kids learning how to be a captain can help benefit until when you hit the levels where you're getting paid to play hockey then you could put that in there. It's kind of a difficult argument to make because really, like, why do people need captains? You could make that argument because truly it's you're a team and you're all one individual. You're one group. If you all one fails, you all fail. So you can kind of look at it from that perspective. But if you were going to go business standpoint, you're paying them. You want them to perform. You're paying them to win. And if they're not performing, then why are you paying them?
1: We're going to transition to another segment, and Simon, feel free to chime in, um, as this is your speciality. What's your experience helping out less privileged athletes or athletes who may not have the ability to play youth sports or not play as competitive of a sport?
2: I actually have quite a bit of experience with this, so I help out with a lot of um, camps that are like try hockey for free. And it's my absolute favorite thing to do because I love seeing kids get all excited to put their gear on, and I always go and help parents, since a lot of them... You, there should be classes for putting on hockey equipment, because I've had to sit there and help parents. They're like, oh, I can do it, and I'm like, okay, well, so let me know if you need questions, and they come up five minutes, and they're like, yeah, I don't know how to do this. So I always help them put on their gear, and I always take the little kids out, and they love hitting the pucks around and skating, and it's so cute to see how much those kids love it. And it's always so heartbreaking when the parents are like, yeah, like I wouldn't be able to do this if this wasn't for free. And it's really sad because like this unfortunately hockey is a really expensive sport and a lot of people can't do it because of the price on it so i absolutely love those like days when it's a try hockey for free and these kids get to go out there and just try the sport that i love the most and they have such a great time with it because i also i coach at other different camps that are like they pay for them but like it's just younger kids doing it and a lot of their gear like they get for free at total hockey that's now pure hockey and then, or like the rink offers them gear to like do the camp and everything, and it's so great because those kids like they have the biggest smiles on their face and they have so much fun, and they always are so sad to get off the ice. Like I usually have to pick kids up and like put take them off the ice. I'm like, sorry, buddy, we gotta go. The zamboni's coming on. Like, it's so great, and I absolutely love it.
1: That's that's awesome. So Simon's gonna hop on here. Too. He's had plenty experience over over his college career at unc and with his major uh, discussing this but what changes do you think made to help out those less privileged athletes or athletes who may be out of favor
2: it's i think honestly there should be like donation programs to help families that can't afford to put their kids in sports because obviously lots of studies have been shown proving that like putting young kids in sports helps like focus their energy it gives them an outlet like they kids need something to do that with and especially as kids get older kids in sports are more likely to stay out of trouble that's been shown in a lot of things and i think something that's being done my hockey team personally we actually just partnered with the royals youth hockey program in redding pennsylvania and it's a youth hockey program that helps kids learn how to play hockey and it helps for kids just so that everyone can do it and it's affiliated with an ECHL team. And it's really great. And it's like helping young kids get to play the sport who usually wouldn't be able to. So I think big programs like that should, I know the blues do it. They have the little blues program. So like just big programs, helping sponsor these things. So younger kids who usually couldn't afford it, like get to play the sport that they want to play, not just for hockey, but for every sport.
1: Yeah. Simon, do you want to, do you want to touch on that too?
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, First off, i love everything you're doing jasmine that's awesome that's awesome to hear that there's people or athletes like you that give back to the sport because that's always what is needed in my opinion uh second off yeah i do have a ton of experience working with kids who are underprivileged mostly because i was one of those underprivileged kids i guess still a little bit am oh and the listeners who don't know my parents were both immigrants we're both lower middle class and we really had to struggle for everything and so If I'm just being straight up honest, I did not play youth sports because I couldn't afford it. That's And that's just reality. You know, most kids won't be able, a lot of kids won't be able to afford it. And it wasn't until middle school where, you know, basically they provided pads, cleats. uh, By the way, I'm a football player. I don't, or the listeners know that. I don't think you do, Jasmine. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so... The middle school back in Texas, they provide pads, cleats, helmets—you know, basically everything that you ever need to play. And then, there, and there's no fees for it. It's just, it's just how it is because you know they have. My hometown has a great booster program. We're one of the best, you know, power—maybe not now, but we were one of the best powerhouses in Texas for a while. So there's a lot of old money that goes to help out you know, the the less privileged. And you know, if I didn't have any of that. Or if I'm just being honest, if I played. In Colorado, because I know there are definitely fees here, which I thought was so weird when I came here and realized that there are fees to play a sport like in a public school. Like that was insane to me. I've never heard of that before. In Texas, that's not just not something that happens. At least for football. So, I if I'm being honest, if I grew up here in Colorado and I, that those were the type of things I had to face, I probably wouldn't be playing sports at all. Just because that's just not just not doable for me you know and plus there's traveling and stuff like that and i know there are some middle school teams here that don't even have buses to take them to games and whatnot and they all got to travel on their own which in it in it itself is a whole nother problem because i mean as much as you want to think that a parent or parents or family can be reliable you know you never know the situation a lot of there are definitely plenty of times where the situation is it's terrible and it sucks and you know, this is just this is the last experience I'm gonna bring up, but last three years of college, I've had the opportunity to coach this team up in Greeley. Uh shout out to them, Heath Middle School. You know, it's they're they're a group of tougher kids, I would say, from a tougher community for sure. A lot of immigrants like myself, a lot of people of color, lower class for sure. And look, this is a team that financially speaking. They were not going to be able to pay certain fees that our league that we played in, you know, put on us. So we would have fundraisers and stuff to help them out because the community knew the value of getting kids off the streets and onto the field. And oh, it was a big deal because for for people who don't know Greeley, outside of the little college bubble that is my university, Northern Colorado, uh, it's, it's pretty ghetto. You know, once once the street signs start turning into actual names and not numbers, that's when you know you're you're uh you're in a tough spot and so but honestly a lot of these kids grow up with uh family members who are gang members because they have to a lot Of these kids grow up with uh you know parents who have to do some certain things to pay the bills and it's because they have to and you know what that's just how it is and honestly it's it means a lot to these kids for other people to help them out because that means we're putting them on the right route to not only you know get off the streets but potentially use the sport to get out of their community and whatnot because no offense but there's probably there's always a better spot you know there's always a better spot where you could grow a safer spot uh, a more secure spot and you know, with that squad we did end up going undefeated all through years championships all through years never lost a kid to the streets which was a first in in probably school history which has been around for a really long time which is sad you know, it was a great first step, and that's just the power of sports, you know, getting these kids on the right track. I do know a lot of these kids still, and I do have friends who coach at the high schools that they've all been, uh, you know, assigned to and whatnot, and I think they're in great hands.
2: That's really Excellent. amazing.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Good job, Simon. I know you've touched on that before. I haven't heard it as in-depth as that. That's that's really great, and you know, I'm sure you did a big role in the great job, and I know applying for some positions to help other kids out m- maybe more at the high school middle school level but are anything specific as guys did that kind of helped helped you guys in your success uh over the last three years or was it just nothing new just sort of the staff did it
0: uh i would it, w- that was at, was that at me right <laughs> it was at you simon yeah okay yeah uh, i would say that um, we we had a really good coaching staff. It was an experienced one. A head coach Coach Shahilo. He's a guy who's had kids, who, you know, who's went Div- who's went D one football wise. They've both played. I want to say they both played at CSU for the Rams and whatnot. So the guy he had he was coaching his younger son. Um, I don't want to name drop too much because I think that might be a little bit too much for a freshman QB now. Uh, his youngest son he played for us and you know i think it really i mean it's rare that you'll have at least in the public school level but it's rare that you'll have like a head coach with kids on the squad because usually i think they're a little bit older at least in tougher communities so it kind of helped having him uh the kid you know who also happened to be a quarterback and a leader and a captain on the team to kind of be an extension of his dad and hey look was just a great group of adults, you know, that knew what these kids needed. And uh, I mean, these kids, they still went through a lot of troubles. Like the head coach himself, he definitely did have to step down for a little bit because he did have a heart attack and he was already a single parent. So if he passed away, then, you know, at that point, his youngest son would really just have to rely on his brothers who are just college students. And I mean, Addison, you know that I relate to that more than ever. So it really yeah. just helped having dudes on the squad that adults, that is, that could understand the kids and really know what they're going through and help them face the challenges because they've already faced it. So at this point, you know, since they've already faced those challenges, this helps these kids prevent from even facing them. And I think that was just a really big deal, having guys who could foresee uh, a lot of the troubles that, you know, sometimes kids are just afraid to talk about because A, they don't understand it, or B, they're too scared to talk
1: about it. Yeah, I agree, and you probably attest to it a bit more for sure. Asmr, did you have any thoughts?
2: I mean I guess I relate to that as in I obviously I'm a female in a male dominated sport so part of the reason I love doing a lot of the camps that I did is that I always picked the one or two girls who would do it and I'd make them my buddies because I would make sure that they wanted to play the sport and I was like it's obviously hard being one of the only girls at like an all-dude camp and I did that many times just because at youth hockey there aren't a lot of youth girls teams especially I really didn't start I didn't I have started the sport a lot later than most kids. I didn't join a competitive team till sixth grade, and it was one of the only all girls teams in like the state. So like I resonated with a lot of the younger girls because parents would come up to be like, "Hey, what did you do?" And I love like being able to like guide a lot of these younger girls in this sport, being like, "Hey, this is what I did. I think you should join a girls team this time, but I don't. I do think it's good to play with." boys at this age because it like gets you like you get some griff you get some you get some to you you learn how to play with the boys and you learn and it's super fun when you're better than the boys and that's always what I would tell them I was like boys don't like when you're better than them which is why you want to be better than them which is something I absolutely loved helping younger girls see that like just because you're a girl doesn't mean you can't play the sport even though there's always a bunch of boys in it and it's always going to be a bit of a boys club for a while but it's really great that like I was able to play, I played high school hockey from seventh to freshman year and I played varsity my freshman year and like I was, it was scary for a while because all those boys were like 200 pounds and I was like barely a hundred pounds and like 5'3 at the time. But like those boys respected me because of how hard I worked and that's why I pass along to younger girls in the sport. I was like, if you work hard, they're going to respect you and you just keep your head up, and you be a little sassy at times, and you're going to be okay.
1: Yeah, and, you know, being a man in hockey, I've had the chance to play with some girls on certain teams. I played with a girl named uh, Celine Petoshek. Ended up going to Shattuck, like you said, um, but she was able to get there because she was playing with the guys, and she was actually on, like, four teams i was with her playing on team colorado the girls team at our organization our team plus a traveling uh well and i'd have to say she was probably one of the hardest working girls are uh, not girls uh hardest working players on our team Just she was a bit smaller both height-wise and weight-wise compared to a lot of the guys but she had some something about her that just kept her going and i think that can not just attest to just girls but just kids in general the ones that are undersized or you know might not fit the perfect mold as long as you work hard and you try and work harder than everybody else you'll make it and i love seeing people get involved in especially girls always fun to play with the girls and against the girls teams different style of play which everybody can learn from and you know seeing you or knowing that you're out there with the young girls out there, I know it's a big part of just sports in general, especially when you make it college level like you're at. Having a mentor or someone to get started, I've had experience. With what you do, goalie, I tend to work with the with the younger goalie. One year, I go out on the Saturday morning as always, and goalie walks up to me an envelope, and his parents are standing like this open it up and he threw a little picture and a nice little note. Apparently they hadn't had anybody out there helping him before that knew the position of um bully and the kid was kind of just trying it out to see if he liked it and see if he usually they would just kind of throw someone over there who would just shoot ducks at them but not like actually teach them how to play the position. And I came to find out later that Aaron said that, you know, he was trying it out and they were thinking he might not want to play the sport after that year. But because he actually was able to get coaching and learn to enjoy the position. So that kind of, kind of touched me on a certain point. I know I have my own levels, including uh, someone at the Academy, which I'm probably one of your favorite people too, Freddie Bobian.
2: Oh, I um, love Freddie.
1: Freddie's amazing. Um, he's probably one of the best people to know. He's a mentor, not just to the people at his position, everybody. Like if you have something you want to talk about, I'm sure you probably felt, most comfortable going to talk to Freddie about it. Am I wrong?
2: No, Freddie was my go-to before I met Curtis. I Freddie, Freddie was my go-to later in that season too when he became head coach of the girls team like he just he understands you on like a personal level and he has a a girl who plays hockey, a daughter, and that's how he would relate to us all the time was because he had a daughter who went through all of the same things and Freddie just he got you and it was amazing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Freddie's like one of those guys we'd love to get on the podcast and he's a good mentor for everybody and in all levels of sports and I'm sure you working with young girls in hockey, being a girl who is successful in hockey, you know, leads to them wanting to be the people that want to stay or the kids that want to stay in their sport because they see a positive role model uh, in that in that environment and they love getting around those types of people. Um, and I think both you and Freddie both have the same kind of effect on on the people they work with and so forth.
2: No, I agree. Like it's really great to like be a mentor for those kids because I truly think every athlete they have that one really great coach that really just changes their life. And for me it would be my private coach, Rick Zombo. He, I just started. he's I asked my coach I was like, what do I need to do to get better? And he told me I needed a skating coach and I found Rick. And he truly changed how I am as an athlete and how I like teach younger kids because I take what I learned from him and I just pass it down to these younger kids because I it really does just take one coach to really change an athlete's life.
1: Yeah, for sure. And before Simon jumps in, is Rick Zombo uh, somehow related to Dominic Zombo?
2: Yes, that's his. That's his son.
1: Okay, so his son played at Omaha, Nebraska, correct? Yes. I had a mentor by the name of Ryan Massa at University, of Nebraska, Omaha. He was kind of the first high-level coach besides Freddie that had been working with me, and I took a liking to him, and he was a big step in my development, and I still I still stay in contact with him. Athletic mentor, but life mentor. I like what Simon was probably. Um, I'll let you hop back in and kind of talk about that a little bit more, Simon.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. No, I definitely think having that one good coach that understands you or attempts to understand you is really important for a lot of kids. I, I mean, I'm not trying to brag and say that I was that person for kids, but you know, I'm sure I was. And
1: if you were one of those guys. You know, feel free to straight out say it. You know, there's nothing wrong with <laughs> a quick analysis. Yeah. Feeling like you might. Uh, have- yeah.
0: For sure. I mean, yeah, I, I'm sure I've helped some kids, you know, but I mean, that's just part of the job of coaching, I think. And I think a lot of younger coaches, for sure, maybe it's just a generation gap. Definitely value relationships a little bit more than, you know, some of the old heads. And that's not to say all old heads are heartless. It's just it's just that's just what I've seen, you know. And maybe it's because I've been around plenty of college kids who are aspiring coaches as well. So that's that just might be it. You know, but yeah, no, I think having someone who could relate to kids is super important because most of coaching is just relating to that kid and figuring out what he or she needs to get done to get better. And you can't I mean you can't truly help out a kid without knowing what that kid needs. And I think that's pretty obvious that goes without saying. You know, I am I am somebody who studied to PE and health teacher and that's just because I've had great P and health teachers uh in high school and middle school that really inspired me and helped me out and uh you know helped me push through things not only on the field but off the field for sure so I think honestly any adult or anybody could be somebody who could help kids and push them athletically or in anything in life you know and so I think since that's just a as important off the field or out of a sport then it should be equally as important if not more important in a sport where you're working with that kid maybe more than some parents see their kids sometimes
1: yeah for sure and i mean i'll just i'll just kind of leave it at that here um i mean real quick is there anything else you kind of want to talk
0: about? uh yeah here i was just gonna ask a more question but uh jasmine so you did talk about working with little girls and whatnot who want to be hockey players but in, in your opinion you know in your opinion what would be the first step at helping you know girls want to be hockey players get more opportunities
2: i think it really starts with just showing them that there are lots of girls hockey players in this world and it's not just me that they see that it's it's a whole community that these girls can see and they i think getting them to meet a bunch of other girl hockey players. I know I did a camp in Missouri. So we have this camp called Synergy, and it's run by Jamie Rivers. And I remember one of my favorite camps we did. It was an all-girls camp, and it was run by a bunch of, like, Olympic players. It was run by, I don't know if you're familiar with the Dunn family, Addison. It's a big hockey family, and it was run by Jincy Dunn, who's a former Olympian and plays for Ohio State, and, like, a bunch of really big names in women's hockey world. And it was so cool to me to see that all these girls that were, came from a place like me were doing such great things. And I think that's how you really start showing younger girls that they can do it because there's so many other people before him that who, before them who did it, which I think is a big inspiration. It was a big inspiration for me personally getting to see all these women who were doing everything that I wanted to do. So I think that's really how you start, is just by showing them that it is possible and if they want to work for it, and that's when you give them the opportunities to be able to achieve that.
0: Yeah, for sure, I love that. I think, honestly, that's just a great first step, you know, into any sport for any kid,
1: for sure. Do you plan to continue coaching young girls in hockey later in life, or is it just a short-term thing for you?
2: Oh, 100%. Coaching is like my absolute favorite thing, and I've been so sad this summer that I haven't been able to do it yet. Cause they're finding starting to open up rinks again and last summer they actually shut down one of our rinks because they were opening the new one so we weren't able to do the camp and doing the camp is my absolute favorite thing like i love coaching little kids like it's the one week in my summer that i look forward to the most and sometimes the little kids are a little obnoxious but it doesn't mean i don't love them and i love just it's such a great environment watching young kids play the sport that you love the most and i it's my absolute favorite thing and if i could do it forever i would
1: that's that's amazing and i'm sure a lot of people um have had the all three of us have had a plan help out as long as we can there's a guy that i help out all the time al peterson Uh, he played wayne gretzky um and uh uh, peterson was on the just works at our local rink and he's one of the nicest guys uh possible and i've known him forever And he runs basically all the youth programs or the tri-hockey for programs, stuff like that. I have guys like that. Um, He always texts me and I want to come help out. And when you have guys like that who are willing, it helps grow the game a lot. And you're always willing to help them out because, I mean, he helped me out a ton. I'm kind of indebted to him, whether it be coaching kids or just when I grow out of my gear, most of it, you know. A lot of people want to sell it and try and make some money off of it, but I think it has better use if I can just donate it to the rink for some uh, kid to use, especially because of how expensive old gear is.
2: No, a hundred percent. I actually did that recently, so I have a. I don't have as much old gear because I wear it for as literally as long as possible. But there was a tournament where I forgot my chest protector. my dad did, but I take responsibility because that's what you do if you forget your gear, it's your fault. And I had to buy one at the tournament, and then I never wore it again because I didn't really like it. And then this kid came to the camp one summer, and he was wearing all his dad's old hockey gear, and it was like... I think he had a chest protector that like you strung together. Like it looked like a football one that I just had never seen in my, I think 18 years of existence. And I brought him that old chest protector and it fit him perfectly. And I was he's like, are you sure? And I was like, no, you need to keep it because that is not going to protect you. And it was just, it was like my favorite thing to do. And I didn't care about not selling the gear. Like I was so happy to give it to a kid who needed, needed it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Hey, you know, that's amazing. Jasmine, uh, told me off air that or you're going to start your freshman year at alvernia what town is it in again
2: redding pennsylvania
1: redding pennsylvania okay so do you mind uh talking about the college what it's going to be like and you know, uh the importance that like the community service or just the programs uh will take part in in school
2: yeah i mean well i'm genuinely so excited for the school it has such it's a it's a smaller school cuz it's a it's a private school but the community is amazing. They've been sending emails every day. My school emailed me a bag of popcorn and a coloring book just for fun because I know everything's going on. And I could not be more excited for the hockey season. We've My team's done a couple Zoom calls. We've done a few Zoom workouts because it's, it's a first year team. Well, this, this is going to be their second year, but they're like a brand new team. To the school, and the school is so excited about having a girls' hockey team. They're putting a lot of money into it. They're treating us really well. I think some like I think we're getting treated like we're a D1 team, but we're a D3 team in the NCAA D3. And I'm so excited. The coach, the coaching staff, is absolutely amazing. He puts blood, sweat, and tears into this team. He's the main reason I'm even going to this school because he's such a great coach. And the school's really supportive. They all come to the sporting events. I love the... F- the campus is beautiful. And I love the facility that it's in. Because the facility that the rank's in, it's off campus. But it's a big sports complex. So there's a bunch of other like youth sports going around. There's volleyball, baseball, soccer, swimming. There's little kid hockey. Like There's so much that goes on. And I'm so excited about it. And a lot of the girls there... I, there's only, I think, probably... Two of us that are, two or three of us that are from far away because everybody else is like a local um, PA kid or like a New England side because there's two of us are from Missouri and then one's from Alaska. So a lot of it's like local kids who are going to the school. But I'm so excited for the team and we're doing a lot of good things. As I mentioned earlier, we're partnering with the Reddings Royal Youth Hockey team and we're going to help out at all their camps and everything and we're going to be coaches for them and they actually just announced that recently and told us all about it and we're so excited about it and part of the school actually they do community service so you have to get i don't know how many hours like 30 or 50 hours of community service as a graduation requirement so the hockey team we actually participate and to help us get those graduation requirements we do a lot of community service i'm not sure what they did last year but i know they like planted flowers, and they help out at camps, and they do a lot of little small things. And I'm really excited to get to give back to the community that's given the program so much. So I'm really excited for all of that. Like, I I genuinely cannot wait for it.
1: That sounds awesome. I know from my experience playing junior, we're a first-year team. We were a small little town. We were an expansion team. And we basically, community service was a big part of what we were doing. Constantly, we're going to schools and giving away free tickets, doing meets. And when they started doing these outdoor rink skates, we would at those rinks just skating around with the local community. And I know these kids absolutely loved it. Uh, And it kind of got to the point where we'd be local uh, Walgreens there. It wasn't called Walgreens offers, but, you know, it's kind of like a Walgreens thing biggest stores they had uh we would walk around there and you would just hear at the end of the aisle some little kid go oh, and you know you'd always go over and say hi and take pictures with them so eventually you got these regular kids at your games and you were able to learn their names and say hi to them i know it made their day in community, community service was a big part of it's like the team uh, stuff like that and i absolutely loved it and i'm sure You're going to actually love it more once you actually get involved in it.
2: No, for sure. I'm so incredibly excited. Just the team itself has created such a positive environment and I haven't even joined it yet. And they were all so excited for all the incoming freshmen because they were they're all freshmen too. They all just became sophomores. So it's all like a young team who's all so excited because they started their team out really small. So their first season they only did 14 players and the coach did it for a reason because he wanted to create an atmosphere of like they're excited for the new people to come in because they want them to feel welcomed and not threatened like they don't want a freshman to take their spot but they want to like have everyone feel welcomed coming in and it's so incredible like how the coaches created that, which is why I'm so excited for everything we're all gonna get to do and all the girls are so excited and it's just it's so great what everything that the program's doing.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, we're kind of running out of time here, so I'm gonna thank Jasmine for hopping on and wish her luck. Is uh, you want to say to the podcast?
2: Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited that this is a topic that you guys are bringing attention to. It's really great, and I just I'm really hoping and excited for the future of youth sports.
1: Yeah, for sure. So please, please join us uh, again on our future interviews and share them, like them, listen to them. Thanks a bunch and guys, later.